We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on? We're back like we never left. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. In case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, and today we are going to be talking about Oregon football recruiting because we are getting uh, closer every day to the early signing period, and it is a very, very active time in the recruiting world right now. So uh, in today's episode, just to give you a quick rundown, I, I put out a, a tweet at mTorres Sports is where you can always follow me. Uh, I put that out on Thursday asking for questions. So I'm going to be getting to those questions first in uh, this episode of the mailbag. I have about 11, I think, written down. You guys did a really good job, uh, you know, showing out in the comments and letting me know what was on your mind. Um, But I will say if you guys want to ask me a question and get your question answered, you can always feel free to use the super chat function in the live chat and I will do my best to get to that question. So if you want to make sure you get your question to the front of the line, go ahead and utilize the super chat function. Otherwise, I'm going to be getting to the Twitter mailbag questions first. Another big favor to ask you guys, uh, I set a goal just this week actually of getting to 2,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel uh, by the end of the month. So we are in great shape there. I think we're just a little under 40 subscribers away. So I've been doing a lot of these shows, just trying to keep that recruiting content pumping out. Uh, covering the ducks so if you could do me a quick favor and just take a second out of your day and hit that subscribe button or share the channel with uh, someone else you know that would be greatly greatly appreciated so uh, where are we at right now right so it's Friday Um, it's Friday December 9th and we're live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus got a got myself a cup of tea here um, it's a Friday afternoon, busy weekend of recruiting already underway in Eugene with some top targets and commits already flocking to Eugene. Um, just to share a couple of those visitors that we know about right now. Um, you know, we could always get more people added, uh, at, uh, you know, the 11th hour, so to speak. Um, we got some commits that are already in town and, uh, let's see. So you got, uh, Cody DeCambra, the, um, Bishop Gorman safety out of Las Vegas in the 23 class. I got to check in with him out in Vegas last weekend. So that was really fun. Awesome kid. Uh, got stories interview on uh, ducksdigest.com as well as on my YouTube channel. So go ahead and check that out if you haven't. And then you have his teammate, the uh, 2023 wide receiver, Tretch Kekahuna, um, former Wisconsin Badgers commit. He is on campus Um and Oregon's making a late push there. They have Jerry Dickey and Ashton Kozar already committed in 2023 at wide receiver, but they're making a push for Tretch out of Bishop Gorman. You also have cornerback Caleb Presley, who's already committed to Oregon in the 2023 recruiting class. There was a little bit of a concern, I guess you could say, among Oregon fans that he uh, took that official visit to UW last weekend. But, uh, you know, I, I talked to some people around the program. I don't think there was really any concern. I don't think presently that there's any concern about um, Caleb Presley when it comes to uh, his Oregon commitment. So he's back on campus and you're looking to, you know, solidify that commitment and try to wrap that up ahead of the early signing period. You have Colin Gill, the 2023 defensive back commit out of the DC area, as well as Solomon Davis, a Southern California, um, Southern California defensive back out of uh, Covina Charter Oak. 
Uh, and then you also have Alabama wide receiver Treshawn Holden. He is definitely one of the biggest, um, the biggest um, names that uh, Oregon is tracking right now in the transfer portal, right? So out, everyone's always going to get kind of crazy when you see Alabama, right? Uh, Alabama is definitely one of the best teams in the country. Definitely not their best year right now, but they have crazy depth. And Treshawn Holden, you know, he was very high on the Ducks coming out of high school. A Southern California guy out of Narbonne um, or Narbonne. I can't remember. How, I think it's Narbonne. Um, but it's funny because I saw that he was in the portal and I was thinking, well, I talked to him a couple times during his recruiting process. I think I might still have his number. So I got to see if I can uh, hit him up and see if um, he's willing to give me an interview. But he entered the transfer portal four days ago on December 5th, and he's already in Eugene. So what does that tell you about the interest there? There's definitely some strong mutual interest there. Um, Chase Coda out of eligibility, right? Dante Thornton, Seven McGee in the transfer portal. So Oregon does have a need at wide receiver um, with uh, Troy Franklin and Chris Hudson being the, the two best receivers on the roster currently. So those are some guys that are uh, on campus right now. Um, I'm also told that Amari Washington is uh, taking a visit to Oregon this weekend. The One of the Ducks 2023 defensive line commits out of the Lone Star State. And just another note before we get into the the mailbag, um, Oregon's coaches have been all over the country. Like I can't even imagine looking at the the airline miles that those guys have put on. Um, I mean, they they were just in D.C. to see Colin Gill, and then he's on campus this weekend. Uh, they were in Texas, um, and then you also saw Carlos Lachlan out of Mississippi to see Dante Dowdell, the star Oregon running back, commit when he won his second state title. Uh, out in Mississippi with the Picayune Maroon Tide. So that's definitely Maroon Tide or Moon Pride. I think it's Maroon Tide. So lots of stuff going on. The coaches are incredibly active right now uh, on the recruiting trail. And now they're back in Eugene to um, take, a, take a look at some uh, some more big names that are um, on the – that are they're still trying to lock down some top guys in the 23 class and then make that final pitch – with a guy like Solomon Davis, who they went in home with uh, multiple times over the past week. Solomon Davis, I was talking to him. I just posted my full interview with Solomon Davis over on DucksDigest.com leading up to that trip this weekend. So give that a read if you haven't already. Oregon is in an awesome spot there. Uh, Coach Demetrius Martin, uh, who's a Southern California guy, was in home for a visit. Tosh Lapoy, Dan Lanning also there. So very important recruit to track there in the 2023 class. As Solomon Davis told me, he's going to be announcing his college commitment on signing day, early signing period, December 21st. So with all of that out of the way, um, we're going to go ahead and hop into our first question. I might be tripping. Maybe it's because yesterday we had a little bit of issue with uh, Spencer's audio, or maybe my earphones are just a little loud, but let me know if the audio is okay for you guys there uh, in uh, on the live stream, and I will do whatever I can to adjust. Just give me one second. Okay. All right. Let's see. First question of the day comes from one old duck fan on Twitter. One old duck fan asks, why are there so many duck football players leaving in the portal? And there's not really any one answer for this. I think some people have different situations, you know, from player to player, right? But I think the easiest thing is that, you know, anytime you have a coaching transition and we're seeing it at other schools, it's not just Oregon, but I think a part of the reason that Oregon is seeing a lot of players leave um, right now is because to put it simply, there are guys on this roster that were not recruited by this Oregon staff. And I think that, you know, some of these guys, I wouldn't be surprised if they had conversations with the coaching staff and they said, Hey, you know, we're, we're down to, you know, give you a shot. And, uh, you know, let you compete for a spot. But um, maybe we just don't see we don't see you carving out a role here. We don't see the the fit that maybe the previous coaching staff did. You know, there's different schemes now on both offense and defense um, compared to what the players uh, were playing under when Mario Cristobal was the head coach. So I'm sure that that was a conversation that um, that the coaching staff had with players. A lot of these guys are coming out of the 2021 class uh, that are hitting the portal. And I'm sure they're seeing that, you know, it's just hard to, to find a, a starting spot here to get some snaps. Um, I wasn't recruited by this staff, so it, maybe it makes sense for me to hit the portal and see where else I can maybe try to find a better fit. Because as you know, a lot of the guys that committed to Oregon 
were heavily recruited out of high school. So they're also betting on themselves, right? They're going to be able to get scholarship offers once they're in the portal, because that's one of the biggest things that we're seeing now amid all this portal craziness. Some of these guys are not going to find homes at the college level. That's just a, a sad reality of the transfer portals. Way too many guys go into it compared to how many available spots these schools actually have. Um, so it's just another aspect of the, the recruiting madness um, that we're going to need to continue monitoring. Um, but I think that would probably be the, the biggest answer, you know, just they're looking for a better fit. Maybe they don't see themselves seeing the field super soon at, at Oregon. Um, and I think just another part of, uh, of today's college football is that guys want to see the field early. And in some cases, if they don't see the field early, they're like, all right, I'll just go somewhere else. I think that, you know, there's, it, it's a case by case basis. I don't want to be issuing a blanket statement over all these players that are entering the portal. Um, I think that there's definitely unique situations, um, that have different circumstances. So I think that would be my main reason, um, is probably because of the coaching transition and um, they just see themselves finding a better fit um, somewhere else. So that's my answer for the first question of our mailbag. The second one is also transfer related, but I'm going to take a quick sip of tea and then we will get to that one. All right. Next question comes from Bama duck. Bama duck says Kirby smart was proud to not use the transfer portal. Is that the way to go if you have consistent top 10 classes? Let them mature, and if they can't make it, not being ugly, let them transfer out. I think, so here's the thing with the transfer portal. I think Kirby Smart is in a very unique situation at Georgia, right? Number one team in the country, consistent top five, top three recruiting classes, and that's part of the reason that they are able to be as good as they are because they have quality depth at pretty much every position. So I think I wouldn't say that not using the portal is the way to go, but Kirby Smart and Georgia have put themselves in a position where they don't need the portal versus there's some other teams, you know, take Colorado, for example, right? Um, I think that for Deion Sanders at Colorado, that is bottom of the pack 12. He's going to be able to attract talent, whether that be on the recruiting trail at the high school level or in the transfer portal. Colorado is a team that needs the transfer portal because you bring in guys that are ready to compete for a starting spot day one, and they've played college football already. They've already produced. So I think that Colorado is a good example of a team that can really leverage the transfer portal. You saw, heck, you saw what USC and Lincoln Riley did in, in the first year. You go from four and eight in 2021 to in the Pac-12 championship game. I think that that's a perfect example of just how effectively you can use the transfer portal. I'm not sure that's going to happen at Colorado necessarily. Um, you know, it looks like Shadur Sanders is probably going to be the quarterback there once he transfers from Jackson State. Hasn't officially been announced, but you know that was kind of insinuated by um, by Deion Sanders. I think in his his press conference he was saying, "Oh, there's your quarterback. Where's Shadur?" Um, so I think that. It's not necessarily the way to go if you have top 10 classes. I think if I'm Kirby Smart or if I'm any of these top schools, you want to continue recruiting high school at a really high level. But the transfer portal is a perfect opportunity, a perfect instance of the rich get richer because you're getting guys that are ready to go right away, right? You look at um, you look at Alabama bringing in um, Jermaine Burton or Henry Toto from, from Tennessee um, or that, uh, that, that Georgia Tech running back transfer, um, Jameer Gibbs. They didn't need Jameer Gibbs, but because of the transfer portal, you're able to hop into the portal. If you're Nick Saban or if you're any other coach, Nick Saban right now, he's like, okay, my running back room looks is totally fine. Or um, Nick Saban's running back room could be totally fine, but he's been able to be in the position with the portal. And he said, okay, hey, let me go pluck the, the best running back out of the ACC and plug him in on my team. So I don't think that you necessarily, that's the way to go. Uh, in terms of this question, Kirby Smart and not using the transfer portal, um, I just think that their depth is so, so strong in Athens that they don't need the transfer portal. But now that you have the opportunity, you're presented with the option to bring in these top players at the college level, you know, you're going to give them a look. If they can help your team, if they can help your program, why not use it? Um, and then I think, so yeah, basically the biggest point I'm driving at is the better that you recruit at the high school level, then you're, you know, helping yourself out to not necessarily need the transfer portal. But if you're a struggling team 
that isn't necessarily known as a recruiting powerhouse like Colorado. Um, I think that you can bring in some of those top talents from college, the college level that can instantly raise the floor on your school, on, you know, of your team. So I, I like that one. All right. Third question comes from Casey Jones, two, four, six, eight on Twitter. Thanks for the question. Question is with most of the O-line graduating, how do you think it will look next year? Yeah, I think the offensive line is one of the more interesting positions that we have to track right now for the Oregon Ducks heading into the 2023 season. We're, we're kind of in that weird limbo in between season, if you will, because the 2022 season isn't over, but you're already kind of looking towards 2023, right? With early signing day coming up, with the transfer portal and all that stuff going on, the coaching carousel. So looking at the, the offensive line for Oregon, I think we have some pretty certain departures, right? You have Alex Forsythe at center. He's probably going to he's going to be gone. Ryan Walk, um, TJ Bass, Molly Sala, Amavai Laulu. He he declared for the NFL draft before the 2022 season, but actually decided to come back. And he was one of the best contributors for Oregon along the offensive line. And then I think there's a little bit of a you know a little bit of a gray area with a guy like Stephen Jones because he was hurt most of the year. So I wonder if that maybe gives some NFL teams a little bit of pause just because he doesn't have as much tape to put out. And that could be a little bit of a silver lining for Oregon because maybe they, maybe because of the injury, they're able to bring Steven Jones back for one more year. And then he slides in as a returning starter. Marcus Harper um, played a lot of really good football in the absence of Steven Jones. I think that, you know, he's someone that's probably going to be back next year. I think he figures to be a really good piece that you're confident about along that offensive line for Oregon under Adrian Clem and that offensive line staff. Um, Jackson Powers Johnson, he was a, a real, real solid piece at a mul at multitude of positions, right? For Oregon, um, the 2021 recruit out of the state of Utah, I uh, saw a lot of work primarily at the guard spots, but also played a little bit of center when needed to. Um, so I think that Jackson Powers Johnson is probably one of your prime candidates to, to come in and, and play some center. Um, and then just looking at the rest of the roster, I think you probably have Josh Connerly Jr., slide into a larger role, maybe at your left or right tackle. Just depends how confident you are in him. You know, I think most of the time you want to have your best offensive lineman either at center, managing the offensive line, or at left tackle, that guy you're most confident in protecting your quarterback's blind side. And for Oregon, that was TJ Bass, and he did a hell of a job during his time at Oregon coming in from the JUCO ranks. Um, so I think Josh Connerly probably figures or projects to be one of your tackles next year. Um, and then you also have um, Faope Laulaulu. He saw some time as a in a backup role at the tackle spot. So I think he maybe is a guy that you could see in the mix there at one of the tackle spots. Um, maybe you also see uh, Dawson Jaramillo. Um, he's a guy who has played a lot. I think he played considerably more snaps under Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal. Didn't seem to be featured a whole bunch this year, but Oregon did get into some games that they were able to put away, and then they saw some of the reserves come in. So maybe we see some more of uh, of Dawson Jaramillo. Um, those are some of the guys that I'm um, kind of most confident in in terms of contributing. Let me just bring up the roster to make sure I'm not missing anybody. Also, just a note for you guys, if you haven't tuned into the shows earlier this week, <coughs> excuse me, I am getting over a, a bit of a cold. So I've been coughing a lot, trying to mute myself when I can to keep the audio nice. So uh, we got a solo show today. So just bear with me. Oh, man. Okay. <coughs> Let's look at the other offensive line, other offensive linemen. Maybe we'll see some guys emerge too. You know, maybe there's some young guys that came in that 2022 class that, that are able to compete and give you some good snaps. Um, I think that one of them would maybe be Dave Uli. He's a guy who came in with a, a lot of uh, acclaim on the recruiting trail. I think he could be someone that could maybe help you out. But <clears throat> I think that Oregon's definitely – the portal is going to be somewhere I think Oregon goes shopping for some more offensive linemen just because you're losing so much experience so quickly in one offseason. You don't want to have to look – at your roster to find, to have youth step up when you can go to the portal and maybe get some guys that are ready to go. 
Okay, let's see. Do I have anything else on the offensive line? Yeah, I think that's pretty much what I had on the offensive line as far as what it's going to look like next year. Hopefully, we're going to get more in-depth, you know, as the, the season wraps up here once we get past the Holiday Bowl, and then we can kind of get into spring spring football and, and more conversation over there. But I think Oregon's offensive line's in good shape uh, because they were able to get Josh Connerly and Dave Uli. Those were two of the final additions, if you'll remember, in that um, – in that 2022 class after Dan Lanning got brought on with Adrian Clem. So I think you have reason to be confident in Adrian Clem, you know, still working on Caden Proctor, right? I think Caden Proctor is, is of the quality five-star caliber guy, all American that could potentially play from day one. Um, I think he got, there's a question on five stars later in the show. So I'll talk a little bit more about Caden Proctor. <laughs> um, seeing some comments about Dennis saying, I'm getting COVID symptoms, just listening to you. I had my, I talked to my mom earlier this week and she was feeling bad after I talked to her, like the day after I talked to her when I was feeling sick. So hopefully we're not passing any symptoms through the, the interwebs. Um, so Dennis, hope you're feeling all right, man. Um, oh, Apollo with an interesting comment. Oregon just offered UTSA offensive lineman, Jeremiah Byers. So maybe we'll see, maybe we'll see some guys uh, follow Will Stein over from UTSA, which had one of the best offenses in the country this year. Okay. This is another interesting question. Tons of questions on the portal, but understandably so. This question comes from DG flame. A very interesting question. DG Flame asks, how does the transfer portal work from a player standpoint? Do they lose their scholarship once they've entered into the portal? Can they go back to their team after entering the portal? Or do they have to be offered a scholarship again? So I think, so I did a little bit of research and then I also have kind of my two cents from what I've been able to gather and understand. So when I Googled this, because, you know, I went to Google, trusty old Google, I found a website called Honest Game. And that's where I found this answer. Honest Game is a public benefit corporation that empowers schools and student athletes with a plan that provides guidance on the classes, grades, and test scores they need to meet NCAA academic eligibility status. And this is what I was able to get from Honest Game, and then I'll give my two cents. So Honest Game says NCAA D1 schools are allowed to cancel or reduce a student scholarship as early as the next term after a student athlete enters the transfer portal. Unfortunately for those student athletes who enter the transfer portal and then change their mind at a later date, they may have lost their scholarship and their roster spot by the time they finalize their decision. NCAA D2 schools may also cancel or reduce the scholarship at the end of the period of the award on the scholarship agreement. So from my understanding, I think once you enter the portal, you're basically telling that school, because I mean, let's be honest, most of the time players enter the transfer portal and they end up going somewhere else. Um, but we have seen instances like when Dan Lanning got hired that he was able to come in, talk to some of these guys that were in the portal and then get them to remove their names. So I don't think it's a seamless process from what I've been able to understand. I think usually when a player enters their name in the transfer portal, they are forfeiting their scholarship, which is why it's so tough to see a lot of players enter an overflowing transfer portal and then not be able to find scholarships or find homes at other schools. So the transfer portal is definitely pretty messy, um, but I'm still looking to see, um, looking to see um, what kind of official, you know, language we can get around that. But from my understanding, it's once a player enters the transfer portal, they forfeit their scholarship. So hopefully that's, the case. Uh, I never want to, you know, lead you guys on or lead you to misbelieve something else. But that's my understanding is once you enter the transfer portal, you are forfeiting your scholarship from what I've been able to gather. And that's kind of what I wanted to try to enforce um, or verify with a little bit of additional research. So here we go. Um, this one, this next question is about one of the biggest recruits on Oregon's radar. So I'm gonna take a little bit more tea and then we'll get to that. This question comes from Golden Empire. Question, Golden Empire's question is, what's Oregon's chances of landing Mateo? So this, of course, talking about Mateo Uyunglele. Uh, had a couple people in my Twitter mentions uh, responding to that tweet asking about Mateo. So the big development with Mateo Uyunglele is that he announced his top three schools yesterday, Thursday, December 8th. 
And those three schools, you had Oregon, USC, and Ohio State. Not a big surprise there. I've been around Bosco all season and, you know, kind of tried to monitor Mateo's recruitment as closely as I could. And it was usually those schools um, as well as uh, a newer school that just kind of emerged this month, late last month in November, Georgia. Mateo, I, I interviewed him and I wrote a story on Ducks Digest talking about how Georgia entered into that recruitment. Um, and, you know, with that recruitment, he, he's, you know, he said that he felt like his recruitment wasn't really going anywhere, but not in a bad way, just, just more along the lines of it was kind of the same schools all the time. And he wanted to go back and, and make sure that he was kind of crossing his eyes, crossing his T's and dotting his eyes, make sure that there weren't any schools that he was kind of missing out on, or maybe deserved more of a look for him. So that was kind of interesting that, that he reached out to Georgia personally. Um, but Greg Biggins of 247, um, you know, ran, ran into him a lot this year. Great guy, does a hell of a job recruiting, covering the recruiting trail rather. Um, um, and Greg reported this week. Sorry, I get a little sidetracked by the comments sometimes. Maybe I just need to close that a little bit um, just for a second to make sure I don't get distracted. Greg reported that Mateo Uyunglele is, is not going to be visiting Georgia anymore. He did take a visit recently to USC for that Notre Dame game. So the way that I view it, and I wrote this in my story yesterday <clears throat> where I gave a little bit of my two cents on this recruitment. My feel right here is that Oregon's in third place. Um, just from what I've been able to gather and the feel that I have for this recruitment, you know, throughout the whole season, it's never really felt like Oregon is the leader for Mateo. It always felt like it was Ohio State and then USC was right there. And how do you argue against Ohio State? Just look at everything they have to offer. You know, I'm trying to look at this impartially and give you guys my take on it. Um, they're, they're pumping out first rounders at edge rusher pretty much every year. Larry Johnson's one of the best in the business. They're in the Big Ten, which is obviously a super strong conference, um, stronger than the Pac-12, obviously which is where Oregon finds themselves. Um, and then, so you can, you know, that you can, you can market exposure, obviously. Um, and then they're in the playoffs again, and they're always going to be in contention for the playoffs. So there's so many things, you know, you got the Bosa brothers at Ohio state, Larry Johnson. Um, you know, this was a little bit of an off year. You could say for Ohio state, I think if, uh, if, if USC takes care of business, right. US, uh, Ohio state isn't going to the playoff, but, um, that's kind of my feel with Ohio state. And then look at USC now, right? USC is a school he's been able to visit quite a bit. Last time I interviewed him, he said that it was just looking like a Georgia visit. And then if any other trip came together, it would be last minute, but USC is right there in his backyard. And Lincoln Riley is clearly putting an emphasis on keeping top LA talent home. Look no further than Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon, the, uh, five-star trio out of Los Alamitos in Southern California. T.A. Cunningham is another big-time talent at Los Alamitos, defensive lineman in 24. Um, Lincoln Riley's putting a lot of work in that recruitment. So to the best of his ability, he's trying to put a fence around Los Angeles. Does that mean that Oregon can and other schools can't come in to take guys? No, but I think it is significantly harder than it was uh, under Clay Helton, the, the previous head coach, right? So I think that just all the times he's been able to go to USC – um, you know, we know that music is a, is kind of a, a thing that, that he's pretty passionate about as a producer, um, with, with Los Angeles being, you know, a media capital of the world, perhaps the media capital of the world. I think that you make a really solid case for USC, but obviously Oregon isn't going down without a fight in this one. The, the coaching staff has been in, um, the coaching staff has been in the Southern California area and, and Mateo is a guy that kind of plays his cards pretty close to the vest, you know, not a big social media guy, but um, I would be surprised if I would be surprised if Dan Lane and this coaching staff didn't make a stop to see Mateo in Southern California. So I'm, I'm making an educated guess that Oregon did stop to see Mateo this week. So important to get that FaceTime with him and keep, keep trying to get him in that recruitment. And he's spoken previously with me very highly of Tosh Lapoy and uh, Dan Lanning, but, but there could be an interesting wrinkle in this recruitment. And if you follow this, if you follow recruiting closely, you probably know where I'm going. Mateo has an older brother, DJ, the Clemson quarterback who just entered his name in the transfer portal recently, which I think could possibly set up for a package deal, right? With both brothers going to Oregon. 
but there's a very specific and important caveat that, you know, kind of is in play here. I don't think DJ is going anywhere unless it looks like he can get that starting job right away. Not that he's going to be handed the starting job, but just from a, a talent standpoint, being able to, to get the starting quarterback job at wherever his new school is, his school of choice. And you'll remember, Oregon was recruiting DJ very, very heavily, pulled out all the stops when he was coming out of St. John Bosco, like Mateo, in the 2020 class. But uh, DJ, rather, chose Clemson. The biggest hurdle right now between Oregon getting both DJ and Mateo, in my opinion, we don't know what Bo Nix's decision is. He's going to be playing in the Holiday Bowl. Will that be his last game as a Duck? Will he go to the NFL? Will he return to Eugene for the 2023 season? In my opinion, if Bo Nix comes back to play another season at Oregon, DJU is not going to want to come to Oregon for those reasons that I just laid out. So I'm not saying it's a deal breaker um, in terms of getting DJ and Mateo, but that would obviously kind of sweeten the deal, I think, a little bit in terms of getting both brothers to campus. You fill a need. Uh, for a, a premier edge rushing talent in Mateo, and you get a guy who has played some good, some college football and kind of had some flashes uh, with DJU. Um, but we have to see what happens with Bo Nix's decision because Oregon could find themselves with a completely revamped quarterback room in the event that Bo Nix goes to the NFL. If Ty Thompson were to enter the portal, those are two very big ifs. Both of those haven't happened, and I don't have any source or intel on either of those. I'm just laying out a hypothetical. So we'll have to see what happens there with uh, with Mateo Uyunglele. He is going to be making a decision during the early signing period, and he is going to be an early enrollee at the school of his choice. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. For those of you listening to us on the audio platform, we got more Oregon football mailbag for you, Oregon football recruiting talk for you after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Ducks Dish Podcast. We are rocking and rolling. It is Friday, December 9th. Hope everybody's having an awesome week. Got some good plans for the weekend. Maybe some Christmas parties you're going to. Maybe you're watching some World Cup. I've been seeing some comments about the the soccer match going on today. I think I am uh, going to be waking up early to uh, to watch the 7 o'clock match tomorrow I believe between England and France. I'm not really a soccer guy, but I've been hanging out with uh, with some friends to watch some soccer. So we'll watch some soccer every now and then. But I know you came here for um, for some Oregon football recruiting content. So we'll make sure to get to that. If you guys are here in the live chat, let me know where you're tuning in from. Uh, hope you guys are having an awesome day. And then do me a favor and smash that like button and subscribe to the channel because we're trying to get to 2K and I think we can do it. I think we can do it, guys. So here we go. Question number six on today's Oregon football recruiting mailbag comes from Travis is Batman. Heck of a username. We love that. 
Travis is Batman asks, how many five stars do you think we get? I know we're in the running for Mateo, Proctor, and Hicks, but if you had to give a prediction on how many do we land? So, yeah, we have some five stars that we're tracking right now in the, the 2023 class with obviously Mateo being one of them um, in the Southern California area. And then you also have David DJ Hicks out of um, Katy, Texas. Uh, he's committed to Texas A&M currently. And then you also have five-star offensive tackle Caden Proctor out of Des Moines, Iowa, currently committed to the Iowa Hawkeyes. But the big story with him is that he took an official visit to Oregon for that Washington game. And, you know, kind of from what I was told when I was reaching out to some sources after that weekend is that all the visits went great. The only problem was the result of the game on the field. Uh, and we know that recruits are impressionable, but I don't think any one game is going to make or break a recruitment. And then after that official visit for Caden Proctor during that Washington game, we all, most of us saw at least, Adrian Clem hopped on a plane, went out to the Midwest, to Iowa to see Caden Proctor in person. Um, and he won a, another Iowa State title. So they're doing everything they can, full steam ahead, trying to flip Caden Proctor as well as David Hicks. And the interesting thing with David Hicks is that he was also on campus for that Washington game. I want to say it was either the Washington or the Utah game. It was one of the two, um, but he was on campus for that. You know, good return when I talked to him after that visit, told me that Oregon made a good impression despite the loss. He did make it back out to Texas A&M, I want to say at the end of last month for another visit. But I think there is some confidence in terms of being able to get Proctor and Hicks on board. Um, I think just with, with Proctor, that's an interesting one because Iowa's not playing well, but that's the home state school. And even though Iowa isn't that great of a team, what are they known for? Linemen and tight ends. And uh, obviously with him being a, a big, a big, big name on the offensive line, you know, that that's a headliner of their class and they're going to do everything they can to keep Caden Proctor in the fold. But Adrian Clem has quite a bit of ammunition for his resume, the, the recruiting class that he would be joining He'd be the headliner of that offensive line hall. He could probably play early. You can sell some early playing time because of all those pieces that you're losing along the offensive line. So I think that even though it's been really quiet, especially on Proctor on the news front, I think that you definitely want to um, you definitely want to try to keep pursuing Caden Proctor. And then let's talk about Hicks. I think that he's one of the more interesting names to follow right now because there's some other connections there. Uh, in the Lone Star State, you know, one of the big ones is, is Terrence Green and then Ashton Porter. Terrence Green is the defensive line commit for Oregon in 2023 um, out of Cy Woods. Ashton Porter is a 2023 defensive end. He's going to be taking his official visit this month, it looks like. Former Northwestern defensive end commit, got an in-home visit from the Oregon staff. But uh, Ashton Porter is really good friends with, D with David DJ Hicks, and we talked about the opportunity to team up at the next level at Oregon, something they've talked about a little bit. Uh, really good friends with, with Terrence Green. And the Ducks are also recruiting Damian Sanford, from what I've heard, the 2023 uh, Texas A&M linebacker commit who's teammates with David Hicks at Peyto High School. So all of that being said, how many five stars do I think Oregon gets? Well, they already have two in the fold right now with Dante Moore and Jurion Dickey. Um, the big development with Dante Moore is uh, he got a visit from Oregon's new offensive coordinator, Will Stein, yesterday. Um, but then now there's some smoke. There was a report from Steve Wiltfong of 247 that he's going to be taking a visit out to UCLA this weekend, um, which is definitely kind of a, a little bit of a, you know, eyebrow raiser because UCLA hasn't really been known as a recruiting powerhouse. Um, but look at how good of the look at how good of a season that UCLA had, right? That's one of the best seasons that they've had under Chip Kelly. Um, and I think there's probably some growing confidence in, in LA. And if you're Chip Kelly, you got to realize I got to get with the times and recruit like these other schools do. Um, their offense played really well. Dorian Thompson Robinson had a great season, so I think you can probably point to Dorian Thompson Robinson to a certain degree and say, "Hey, come come do what he did and, and run this offense." And that's a place that um, you know you can probably sell some playing time, but my two cents, I'm not too worried about Dante Moore's visit to UCLA. There's so much more stability, and I think a lot of pieces for success uh, and to pieces to be confident about for Oregon, both on the roster and then in that 23 class. That UCLA class isn't uh, isn't teeming with skill talent right now in 2023 versus Oregon, which absolutely is. 
So I think it's just some smoke. I need to do some digging on that one, but I'm not too worried right now about Dante Moore visiting UCLA. So to answer the question, I'm going to go with three. I think it's it's a cautious answer, but basically by saying three, I think that Oregon hangs on to Jurion Dickey, Oregon hangs on to Dante Moore, and then they get one, at least one of Mateo, um, Proctor, and Hicks. Um, right now, I think the five star that I'm probably feeling the most confident about is David Hicks. I think David Hicks is the the top uncommitted or no, the, the top five star that isn't committed to Oregon currently. Maybe that's an easier way to say it. I think the guy that I'm most confident about that Oregon is still pursuing is David DJ Hicks. The staff was previously in Texas this past week. Again, I haven't seen any pictures of an in-home visit for Hicks on uh, social media, but Stands to reason if you're in Texas, you're going to stop by and see one of your top targets on the recruiting trail. And I know that Oregon is pushing super, super hard for DJ Hicks. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, not sure if he's going to be signing early or enrolling early uh, based on my last conversation with uh, David Hicks. But should be an interesting recruitment to follow for all those guys trying to give you guys my my uh, my feel for how things are going with those guys on the recruiting trail. 2023s are the the big talk now, but before we know it, the 24s are going to be on the clock. All right. Next question comes from Jason Noble. Uh, Jason Noble asks, do you think we get multiple cornerbacks from the portal? And do you have your eyes on two to three specifically? So Oregon's defensive uh, secondary was obviously uh, a struggle for them this past year uh, outside of Christian Gonzalez. I think Christian Gonzalez was obviously the, the strongest piece of that secondary and now he's heading off to the NFL draft um but he's uh he's you know a, a success story for sure um when it comes to Oregon's work in the transfer portal he was a, a plug and play guy he was long he was fast he had great ball skills great feel for the game and I think that Oregon should go to the portal to get to, you know about two corners maybe more um, I think that there's, you know, a couple of big names that are already in the transfer portal uh, as far as um, guys that Oregon could potentially track. Um, you know, they like to go, Dan Lanning likes to get lengthy, fast defensive backs to, to keep up with some of the skill talent they're going to be going against, right? You know, you obviously have a bunch of really talented guys at USC uh, under Lincoln Riley that they're going to have to go against, you know, pretty, pretty consistently, but we're going to see what happens with, um, you know, with USC going to the big 10. Um, so I think some of the names that we can maybe be tracking right now, another, a big name is, is storm duck, uh, from North Carolina. He entered the transfer portal recently, just from a name standpoint, you think that could obviously be a really good fit, but it's not just going to be the name. Uh, he's six foot and three quarters, 200 pounds, originally from boiling Springs, South Carolina. We'll have to keep tracking Oregon's offers, but I don't think Storm Duck has an offer right now, but a big name to track is Alabama cornerback Kyrie Jackson, six foot three, 198 pounds from Upper Marlboro, Maryland. He does have an Oregon offer, so he's a name that is absolutely on Oregon's radar right now as they're navigating the transfer portal looking for some top options. And then another one that is uh, maybe a little more realistic because it's a West Coast name. <coughs> excuse me, uh, is um, Kalen Moore out of Colorado, 5'10", 185 pounds, originally from Westlake Village, California. Started 14 games this year and uh, had four pass breakups. So I think that he's a solid name. Obviously, coming from Colorado, he probably has some some good connections with Demetrius Martin. And uh, maybe you see, maybe he looks at some of the, you know, some of the writing on the wall. Christian Gonzalez, Cornerback transfer from Colorado went to went to play under Demetrius Martin at Oregon and absolutely balled out. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I wanted to get some names to to kind of follow here. Um, you know, the, uh, as uh, Oregon kind of gets into the portal and starts tracking some big names. All right, so I think Oregon absolutely needs to go into the portal to get some guys um, to play corner. <coughs> I'm going to try to see if I can go for an hour if uh, if my cough lets me. But I got a couple more questions to get through here, um, so I'm going to do my best. Eric Schoenbeck asks our next question. Eric says, how many players are we going to get in the portal this year? 
So let's look at last year and how many guys Oregon got out of the portal. Last year out of the portal in the 2022 class, you got Casey Rogers, Jordan Riley, Bo Nix, Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington, Christian Gonzalez, Taki Taimani, Chase Coda, Chapman, uh, Caleb Chapman, uh, Adam Berry, and Andrew Boyle. So I think that's, let's count, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. So 11 guys that Oregon got out of the portal that I assume were on scholarship last year. I, I just want to set the number at the over-under at 10. I think the transfer portal has only become more important and more beneficial for teams to use since a season ago. So I would kind of say I think I'd set it at, at 10, especially when you look at the, the numbers and the the position the positions that Oregon needs help at. We already talked about offensive line. Um, I think I would wager to say even if Bo Nix stays, I think that you need another quarterback because you just have Nix, Thompson, and um, <coughs> and Dante Moore. So I think that you need some, some more help on the offensive line, need some more help at, at quarterback, need some more help in the secondary, um, probably need some more help at linebacker too. I mean, we haven't had Noah Sewell's decision yet. Uh, you need some more help at defensive line as well. Um, so Oregon has a lot of spots that need some more help, and you're getting help with the 2023 recruiting class. I don't want to you know, downplay the, the skill that those 23 guys have. But it's like I say, do you want, if you're a coach, do you want to just cough, <coughs> man? Of course, my cough drops are just on my bed over there out of arm's reach, but we're going to try to keep going. But if you're a coach, do you want to bet on youth that you have to develop and get them up to speed? Or do you want to go to the portal and say, hey, that guy can go play for me tomorrow? You're probably going to want to go to the portal and get a guy. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Oregon manages the portal. I thought Dan Lanning did a really good job in terms of bringing in guys that ultimately had an impact. I mean, look at all those guys that I, I, I listed off. Casey Rogers and Jordan Riley were a huge part of the defensive line. Sam Taimani got a little banged up, but he was playing a lot. Noah Whittington and Bucky Irving were your two best running backs this year. Christian Gonzalez was your best defensive back. Bo Nix, you know, revitalized your offense completely. And then uh, Adam Berry and Andrew Boyle saw some time uh, as specialists. So I think you also need some help at a wide receiver too, right? Um, because you uh, you lose um, Dante Thornton and you lose Chase Coda, and um, you have a lot of talent there, but not a lot of uh, proven production. All right. Um, I think that's what I had. There's some comments here asking about Bo. Still don't know what's happening with Bo. Um, we're waiting to see his decision. I would assume we would have it before the holiday bowl. I mean, cause Oregon staff, as much as they, you know, want Bo to do his thing, they, they need some clarity too, right? If you're Oregon's coaching staff, you need to, you want to be able to start looking ahead to next year. Cause right now, um, you're in a limbo and you don't know what your room's going to look like. So, um, so yeah, there, oh, let's see, what else do we have here? Question number nine, I kind of already talked about it, so maybe I won't talk about it too much, but TA asks, any concern of Dante flipping? Um, you were talking about, I'm assuming you're talking about um, Dante Moore, Oregon's five-star quarterback commit, uh, who's going to be taking, reportedly going to be taking a visit out to out to UCLA this weekend. I'm not super worried about him flipping. I think, I, I, I wouldn't be worried about UCLA. I think I'd be worried about like a Michigan or, uh, you know, an Ohio State, a Texas A&M, schools that don't have quarterbacks in the fold yet for 2023, right? Ohio State, that's, you know, a school that can go into any recruitment and be a contender, in my opinion, right? But they just lost Brock Glenn to, 20, to uh, Florida State. That was their 2023 quarterback commit. So you got to make sure you keep recruiting your guys. But we could also talk about Dante Dowdell, right? Because... In an interview at the uh, Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game, he talked about Mississippi Ole Miss still being in the picture. But I don't think that uh, – I don't think I'm too worried about Dante Dowdell in Oregon. You know, he, he's definitely – he's been committed to Oregon for, for quite a while, and, and he's been out to Oregon numerous times for visits, even though he's all the way across the country in Mississippi. Carlos Lachlan went to go see him last week. Um, so I feel pretty confident about both Dantes right now. Um, if I were to – 
say which one do I feel more confident about? I'd probably say Dante Dowdell. But, um, you know, I think as of right now, things are looking pretty solid for, for both Dante's in Oregon's 2023 class. But nothing is over until pen meets paper. We all know that, folks, which is why you can't get too attached to any one recruit. You can't get your hopes up too much. But uh, this coaching staff has done a phenomenal job under Dan Landing, so there's reason to be confident. All right, next question. Uh, Benny asks, you think Ty Thompson staying? Um, I should just read that. You know, Do you think Ty Thompson is staying? I think that's a, a very interesting you know, storyline to follow right now because right now Oregon's quarterback room, all we know next year is Ty Thompson's in the quarterback room from a scholarship standpoint because we don't know about Bo Nix and we still have to wait for Dante Moore to sign his national letter of intent. So I just think for, for Ty Thompson, you know, he hasn't really carved out a role at Oregon. And, you know, he's had two coaching staffs now that um, have gone with other quarterbacks, with Anthony Brown being the quarterback last year and then Bo Nix being the quarterback this year. So I think it's it's a very interesting decision for Ty. Um, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth. He's going to do what is best for him. But we have to see what happens with uh, that quarterback room. And I think that, you know, between now and the end of the year, um, we probably should uh, see that's the thing that's tough with, with Ty's situation. I don't know that he's necessarily going to post something if he's staying. So he definitely becomes an important piece of this quarterback room, seeing that he could potentially be the only scholarship guy that you have left on your roster. If Bo Nix decides to head to the NFL draft, uh, that is until Dante Moore enrolls, if he does end up signing his national letter of intent and enrolling early and everything goes according to plan. Another question that we have, Jeff Kemp asks Roderick Pleasant, and then he had uh, yes or no. So Roderick Pleasant is one of Oregon's top, top targets in this 2023 class, specifically in the defensive backfield in the secondary. He's the fastest DB in the 23 class. Uh, took his official visit to Oregon for that Utah game, uh, a game that they won, and the defense kind of um, you know saved the day really in that game. So that was definitely a big game for him to be at. And I think for what Roderick Pleasant wants at his school of choice, uh, I think there's just so many factors in Oregon's favor, right? I've talked to Roderick Pleasant multiple times throughout his recruitment. Track is a big part of what he wants at his next school. And look at what Oregon is, Track Town USA. If, if track is what you want, if what a recruit wants is what a recruit wants. It's hard to find a place better than Oregon to, to do that. So I think just from the track program, you know, Christian Gonzalez could very well be um, Oregon's first round pick from this year in the NFL, in the NFL draft. So you have development that you can market, you know, and sell. Um, and then you have a really good class for, for Roger Pleasant to join. So I feel like Oregon could load up even more on defensive backs in this 2023 recruiting class. And, if you want to know why, all you have to do is look at the 2022 season when they were just getting shredded through the air more often than not. So I think I'm not going to predict that Roderick Pleasant goes to Oregon, but right now, as we stand on Friday, December 9th, I feel good about Oregon's chances with Roderick Pleasant. It seems like USC would be the biggest contender there because, like I said, Lincoln Riley is putting in a ton of work to keep top players in the LA area uh, very, uh, you know, close to home and uh, playing for the Trojans. All right, what do we have here? Um, so that was all the questions that I had uh, from Twitter. So if, if you guys have some more questions, I'm going to try to see if I can knock a couple out here um, on the show before we, before we get out of here. So let's see what else we got here. All right. Um, Okay, here we go. Um, Andrew asks, is uh, is David Hicks still in play or is he staying closer to home? Uh, Andrew, from what I've been able to gather, uh, David Hicks is still very much in play for Oregon, uh, but that's a that's a recruitment that we have to continue monitoring. He's committed to AM. I think he's supposed to take his official visit to AM next week. Um, but we have to we have to see. All right. Um Mr. DeWeedy asks, does Caleb Presley flip, Max? Uh, looks like we might have a UW fan in here. So Caleb Presley, his his recruitment, um, he's he's been super, you know, super strong in his commitment to Oregon throughout uh, his, you know, since he committed, right? 
Um, been committed to Oregon for a really long time. Took his official visit out to Washington last weekend, and then Oregon went in home. Dan Lanning, his future head coach, and Demetrius Martin, um, his future position coach, both went in home with Caleb Presley. I think it was yesterday, and now he's going to be in. Um, he's going to be in uh, Eugene for his official visit. So I'm not too concerned. Um, I'm not too concerned about Caleb Presley flipping. I don't think he's ultimately going to flip to Washington. But, um, you know, like I said, with any of these recruits, you have to see what happens once, uh, you know, the, the recruiting calendar kind of plays out and, and if they end up signing their national letter of intent. So I think, you know, the, the visit to Washington, you know, caught some people's attention. But uh, I think Oregon is getting them on campus to, you know, kind of more or less lock things down and solidify that commitment. So, I'm not too worried about Caleb Presley flipping to Washington, um, assuming that that's what you were asking in that question. Um, let's see. Let's see the other questions we have here. Um, um, Oregon State's going to be a package deal. No word on Bo Nix just yet. Um what else do we have? And let's see. Um, <laughs> Andrew said, also, for the love of God, can Oregon please get Storm Duck? I mean, that's just destiny. Yeah, I think that's a name that a lot of people are uh, are looking at um, right now. Um, let's see. Andrew asks, any more news about Proctor? I haven't seen any, anything on him for a while, but after losing Fano, he's almost a must-have. Yeah, I talked about him a little bit earlier, Andrew, if you were here in the show. Um, not any new intel, really. Um, you know, I, I did a little bit of uh, asking around, and it seems like there's still some confidence there that Oregon's in in a good spot. Um, I think that Oregon was really in a really good spot with, uh, with Fano for the longest time in that recruitment. But look at Utah now, man. I mean, Utah – kind of feels like a little bit of a sleeping giant now that they're on back-to-back Pac-12 titles. There's a lot of really good in-state talent there every year, um, but they've been going you know, out of the state to play their college football. Um, so I think that um, I think that uh, with, with Fano, that was a guy that they really want, and he's a tremendous talent. So I think that um, I think that that's a, a great get for Kyle Whittingham and that staff. And then they, um, they flipped someone. I think they flipped Hunter Clegg, I think is his name. Um, a defensive end. Uh, they flipped him from Stanford. I want to say, I, I think he was committed to Stanford, um, but he flipped to Utah uh, yesterday, Hunter Clegg, uh, defensive end out of American fork. Um, so that's definitely a, a big get for them. And, and maybe Utah becomes a more formidable opponent now on the recruiting trail. Um, seeing that, uh, seeing that, Utah is making some noise and they're being able, being able to string things together and, you know, get some packed little titles to their name. So that's a big win for uh, Kyle Winningham and his staff. And um, we've, we've seen Oregon and Utah go toe to toe on the recruiting trail quite a bit. And usually, uh, usually Oregon has won those recruiting battles. Uh, but Utah also got Clark Phillips, who, um, you know, was a huge, huge piece of um, that secondary for, uh, for Utah last year, this, this past year, right? Um, okay. Yeah, this is, um, um, okay. This is the last thing we'll talk about today. Um, just to clarify, cause I don't think that I, I don't think that I said it right at first. Um, but this is a new offer for Oregon out of the transfer portal, which is definitely interesting. Jeremiah Byers. Um, I think when I first talked about it, cause someone said something in the, um, in the comments, uh, I thought he was a, um, UTSA, but he's a UTEP, so University of Texas El Paso. Jeremiah Byers tweeted here, hashtag all glory to God, blessed to receive an offer from Oregon, then tagged Adrian Clem. So um, looks like one of the better offensive linemen out of UTEP. Got an offer from Oregon today. He's definitely someone to monitor for the Ducks now. I'll go ahead. I'll do it live on stream. Drop him a follow um, as we look to, to track Oregon's uh, recruiting efforts in the transfer portal. Um, Jeremiah Byers does have two years of eligibility remaining. So like I said earlier on in the show, I think it makes a lot of sense for Oregon to go into the portal to try to get some experience and get some, uh, someone who's played a lot of football to kind of try to, um, you know, bridge the gap 
if you want to call it that, uh, between losing uh, a lot of proven production and a lot of really good guys from from this year's roster. So I think that'll do it for us um, on this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Had a bunch of people in here. I think we almost got to 100 live viewers at one point today. Um, so got quite a few people in here, and it's been a blast getting to spend some of the day talking some Oregon football and some Ducks recruiting with you guys. So got to give myself a, a second to you know plug all the ways you can find me and my work. If you want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at mtorissports. That is the quickest way to find uh, all my Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting updates at mtorissports on Twitter. You can find me on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to the channel if you could. Take a second out of your day and give me an assist. And you can find all my written content covering Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting at DucksDigest.com. Best interviews in the biz. Uh, and then you can also listen to me, obviously, on the Ducks Dish podcast. Best way to show your support for the show is share it with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. You guys know the drill. I always appreciate when you support the show and support the channel. But until next time, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.